Section 11 of Fairy Prince and Other Stories by Eleanor Hallowell Abbott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Nan Dodge. The Little Dog Who Couldn't Sleep, Part 1. It was our Uncle Peter who sent us the little piece of paper. It was a piece of paper torn out of that part of a newspaper where people tell what they want if they've got enough money to pay for it. This is what it said. Wanted. A little dog who can't sleep to be night companion for a little boy who can't sleep will pay fifty dollars. Our Uncle Peter sent it to my father and told him to give it to us. Your children know so many dogs, he said. Not fifty dollars worth, said my father. He said it with points in his eyes. Oh, I'm not so sure, said my mother. She said it with just a little smile in her voice. It was my mother who gave us the big sheet of brown paper to make our sign. My brother Carol mixed the paint. I mixed the letters. It was a nice sign. We nailed it on the barn where everybody who went by could see it. It said, Carol and Ruthie, dealers and dogs who can't sleep. Nobody dealt with us. We were pretty discouraged. We asked the grocer if he had a little dog who couldn't sleep. We asked the postman. We asked the butcher. They hadn't. We asked the old whiskery man who came every spring to buy old bottles and papers. He had. He brought the dog on a dungeon chain. He said if we'd give him fifty cents for the dungeon chain, we could have the dog for nothing. It seemed like a very good bargain. Our father lent us the fifty cents. He was a nice dog. We named him Tiger Lily. His hair was red and smooth as Sunday, all except his paws and ears. His paws and ears were sort of rumpled. His eyes were gold and very sweet, like keepsakes you must never spend. He had a sad tail. He was a setter dog. He was meant to hunt, but he couldn't hunt because he was so shy. It was guns that he was so shy about. Our mother invited us to wash him. He washed very nicely. We wrote our triumph to our Uncle Peter and asked him to send us the fifty dollars. Our Uncle Peter came instead in an automobile and took Tiger Lily and Carol and me to the city. Of course he isn't exactly a little dog, we admitted, but at least he's a dog, and at least he can't sleep. Well, I wonder, said our Uncle Peter. He seemed very pleased to wonder about it. He twisted his head on one side and looked at Tiger Lily. "'What do you mean, doesn't sleep?' he said. "'Because my brother Carol is dumb and never talks, I always have to do the explaining. It was easy to explain about Tiger Lily. "'Why, when you're in bed and fast asleep,' I explained, "'he comes and puts his nose in your neck. It feels wet. It's full of sighs and a cool breeze. It makes you jump and want your mother.' All the rest of the time, at night, he's roaming and prowling and sploring up the front stairs and down the back, and up the front and down the back. Every window he comes to, he stops and listens, and listens. His toenails have never been cut. It sounds lonely. What does he seem to be listening for? asked our Uncle Peter. Listening for gun bangs, I explained. Oh, said our Uncle Peter. The city was full of noises like gun bangs. It made Tiger Lily very nervous. He tried to get under everything. 
It took us most all the afternoon to get him out. The little boy's name was Dicky. He wasn't at home. Come again, said the man at the door. We came again about eight o'clock at night. It seemed as late as Christmas Eve, and sort of lonely without our parents or any other presence. We had to climb a lot of stairs. It made Tiger Lily puff a little and look very glad. It made our Uncle Peter puff some, too. It made the little boy's mother puff a good deal. There wasn't any father. The mother was all in black about it. Her clothes looked very sorrowful, but her face was just sort of surprised. She had white hands. She carried them all curved up like pond lilies. She was pretty. Even if you'd never seen her but once in a train window, you'd always have remembered. The little boy's room was very large and full of lights. There were tinkly glass things hanging everywhere. There was a music box playing. There was a tin railroad train running round and round the room all by itself, making a bangy noise. There was a wound-up bird in a toy cage crying, Hi! Hi! There was a crackling fire. Everything was tinkling or playing or singing or banging or crackling. It sounded busy. You had to talk very loud to make anyone hear you. The little boy sat on top of a table in a big bay window looking out at the night. His knees were all cuddled up into the curve of his arms. He had on a little red wrapper and bare legs and fur slippers. He was lots littler than us. He looked cunning. We stamped our feet on the rug. Here's your dog, I said. When the little boy saw a Tiger Lily, he jumped right down from the table and screamed. It was with joy that he screamed. He threw his arms right around Tiger Lily's neck and screamed all over again. Tiger Lily liked it very much. What makes his paws so fluffy, he screamed. How soft his face is. He's got sweet eyes. He's got a sad tail. What's his name? Where did you get him? Is he for me? Do I have to pay money for him? What does he eat? Will he drink coffee? Just as though he was mad about something, he began suddenly to jump up and down and cry tears. Why doesn't somebody answer me, he screamed. Why doesn't somebody tell me? He got so excited about it that he hit Carol on the nose and blooded him quite a good deal. The little boy's mother came running. Oh, hush, hush, Dicky! she cried. Don't be in such a hurry. The boy will tell you all about it in time. Give him time, I say, give him time. No, he won't, I explained. My brother Carol never tells anything. He can't. He's dumb, said our Uncle Peter. The lady looked sort of queer. Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear, she said. What a misfortune. Our Uncle Peter sort of sniffed his expression. Misfortune, he said. I call it the greatest blessing in the world. He glared at little Dicky. Yes, the greatest blessing in the world, he said. A child who doesn't babble or fuss or scream. The lady looked more and more surprised. She turned to the little boy. Dumb, Dicky, she said. You understand? Doesn't speak? Dicky looked at his mother. He looked at Carol. A little pucker came and blacked itself between his eyebrows. As though to toss the pucker away, he tossed back his whole head and ran to Tiger Lily and threw his arms around Tiger Lily's neck. Doesn't ever, he said. 
doesn't ever what said our uncle peter sleep said dicky it was the boy we were talking about laughed his mother not the doggie she tried to put her arms around him he wiggled right out of them and ran back to tiger lily is it his adenoids he cried have you had his eyes tested how do you know but what it's his teeth whose teeth frowned our uncle peter tiger lilies cried dicky his mother made a sorry sound in her throat poor dicky she said he's had most everything done to him tonsils spine eyes ears teeth why the last doctor i saw was almost positive that the insomnia was due entirely to in the very middle of what it was due to she turned to our uncle peter her voice got very private our uncle peter had to stoop his head to hear it he had a proud head it didn't stoop very easily he isn't my own little boy she whispered as though his ears were magic the little boy looked up and grinned his eyes looked naughty nobody's own little boy he said nobody's own little boy as though it was a song without any tune he began to sing it nobody's nobody's own little boy the lady tried to stop him he struck at her with his feet it made a hurt on her arm he snatched tiger lily by the collar and started for the door going to find cook and get a bone he said he said it like a boast he slammed the door behind him it made a rude noise he came running back and looked a little sorry, but mostly bashful. He pointed at Tiger Lily. What? What's he afraid of? he said. Noises, I explained. Noises, cried the little boy. He cried it with a sort of a hoot. It sounded scornful. Oh, pshaw, he said. There isn't a noise in the world that I'm afraid of. Not thunder, not guns, not anything. Noises are my friends. In the night I take torpedoes and crack em on the hearth, just to hear them sputter. I've got three tin pans tied on a string. I've got a pop-gun. He ran back to the table to get the gun. It was a nice gun. It was painted bright blue. It looked loud. When Tiger Lily saw it, he dove under the bed. It was hard to get him out. The little boy looked very astonished. It's gun-bangs, specially. The tiger lily is afraid of, I explained. Gun bang, said the little boy. That's why he can't ever hunt, I explained. Hunt, said the little boy, not ever, you mean? He looked at tiger lily. He looked at the blue pop gun. Not ever, ever, ever? Way down in his little fur slippers, it was as though a little sigh started and shivered itself up, 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 till it reached his smile. It made his smile sort of wobbly. Oh, all right, he said, and ran away as fast as he could to hide the blue pop-gun in the bottom of the closet. A velocipede he piled on top of it, and two pillows and a Noah's Ark and a stuffed squirrel. When the piling was all done, he looked back at our Uncle Peter. It was across one shoulder that he looked back. It made his little smile look twisty as well as wobbly. One of his eyebrows had crooked itself. It's, it's silences that I'm afraid of, he said. He grabbed Tiger Lily by the collar again and started for the door. As though he was playing a game, he reached out one finger and tagged everybody as he passed them. Everybody except Carol. 
When he started to tag Carol, he snatched back his finger and screamed instead. He's a silence, he screamed. He's a silence. Still holding tight to Tiger Lily's collar, he ran for the stairs. Flop, 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 his little fur slippers thudded on the hardwood floor. Tick, 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 Lily's toenails clicked along beside him. It sounded cool and slippery. His mother wrung her hands. It seemed to be with despair that she wrung them. Yes, that's just it, she despaired. It's silences that he's afraid of. That's what keeps him awake all night banging at things. That's what worries him so. But he gave up the noisy pop-gun, said our Uncle Peter. Gave it up of his own accord when he saw that it frightened the dog. Why, so he did, said the mother. She seemed very much surprised. Why, so he did. Why, I don't know that I ever knew him to give up anything before. He's been so delicate and... And the only child and everything, I'm afraid we've spoiled him. Mm, said our Uncle Peter. And all the circumstances of the case are so bewildering, despaired the lady. Like white pond lilies floating in a black gloom, her sad hands curled in her lap. It seemed to be at our Uncle Peter that they curled. Are they indeed, said our Uncle Peter. It was the circumstances that he meant. Very bewildering, said the lady. Her cheeks got a little pink. She jumped up and went to the door and listened a minute at the head of the stairs. When she came back to her chair, she shut the door behind her. As I told you, she whispered, the little boy isn't my own little boy. So I understand, said our Uncle Peter. His mother died when he was born, said the lady. Very sad indeed, said our Uncle Peter. Dicky is six years old, said the lady. I married his father a year and a half ago. His father was killed in an accident a year ago. Oh, dear, oh, dear, said our Uncle Peter. The lady began all over again as though it was a lesson. Dicky is six years old, she said. I married his father a year and a half ago. He was killed in an accident a year ago. It was all so sudden. The marriage, the accident, everything. She began to cry a little. It made her clothes look sorrowfuller and sorrowfuller, and her face more and more surprised. Once again she curled up her white pond lily hands at our Uncle Peter. It was as though she thought that our Uncle Peter could help her, perhaps, with some of her surprises. I... I didn't know his father very long, she cried. I never knew his mother at all. It's... it's pretty bewildering, she said, to be left all alone, for life, with a perfectly strange little boy who isn't any relation at all. All his funny little suits to worry about, and his mumps and his measles, and... and whether he ought to play marbles for keeps, and shall I send him to college or not, and suppose he turns out a burglar or something dreadful like that. And how in the world am I going to tackle his first love affair, or his choice of a profession? Merciful heavens, perhaps he'll want to fly. Why, you're just like a hen, said our Uncle Peter. The lady didn't like to be called a hen. It ruffled her all up. Our Uncle Peter had to talk about baseball to soothe her. The lady didn't know anything about baseball, but it seemed to soothe her considerably to hear about it. When our Uncle Peter was all through soothing her, she looked up, as pleasant as pleasant could be. Why, she said. Why what, said our Uncle Peter. He seemed a little perplexed. 
Why, am I like a hen, said the lady. Oh, said our Uncle Peter. He acted very much relieved. Oh, he said, I was afraid it was something you were going to ask me about baseball. But a hen. He looked with smiles at the lady. Oh, but a hen. Why, even a hen, my dear madam, he smiled. A real professional true enough hen doesn't take any too easily to the actual chick itself until she's served a certain sit-tightly-go-lightly-eggshell sort of apprenticeship, as it were, to the idea. Thrust a bunch of chicks under her before she's served this apprenticeship, and... I jumped up and down and clapped my hands. I just couldn't help it. Oh, I know what happens, I cried. She sits too heavy and squashes em perfectly flat. There was a hen, I cried. Her name was Lizzie. She was a good hen, but childless. The grocer gave us some day-old chicks to put under her, but when we went out to the nests the next morning to see em, they couldn't have been flatter if they'd been pressed in the Bible. My brother Carol cried. I cried. My mother. I don't care at all who cried, said the lady. It was true, she didn't. All she cared was to look at our Uncle Peter. The look was a stern look. Are you trying to imply, Mr. Mr. Meredith, said our Uncle Peter. Percival Meredith. Uncle Peter for short. Mr. Meredith, repeated the lady coldly. Are you trying to imply that my stepson looks as though he had been pressed in a, a Bible? I shook in my boots. Carol shook in his boots. You could hear us. Our Uncle Peter never shook a bit. He just twinkled. Well, hardly, he said. The lady looked pretty surprised. When she wasn't looking surprised, she looked thoughtful. Her voice sounded little when she got it started again. Maybe, maybe I do take my responsibilities too heavily, she said. But it's this, this sleeping business that worries me so. I should think it would, said our Uncle Peter. No nursemaid will stay with me, said the lady. They say it gives them the creeps. It's enough to give anyone the creeps. A grown person, of course, expects a certain amount of wakefulness. But a child, a little carefree, heedless child, just when you think you've got him safely to sleep, all cuddled up in your own bed or even in his own bed, and are just drowsing off into the first real sleep you've had for a week, patter, patter, patter in the hall. Creak, creak, creak on the stairs. A chair bumped over in the library. Bumped over on purpose, you understand, just to make a noise. Noises are his friends, he says. Why, once, once, the lady's mouth smiled a little, once when I woke and missed him and hunted everywhere, I found him at last in the pantry, on the floor, with his ear cuddled close up to a mouse hole. Mouse nibble noises, he says, are his special friends in the middle of the night when there isn't anything else. Anything to break the silence, it seems to be. Why in the world should he be afraid of a silence? Nobody can account for it. Possibly not, said our Uncle Peter. Yet the fact remains that either within or just outside the borders of his consciousness, the only two people responsible for his being have disappeared unaccountably into a silence, from which they have not returned. Oh, dear, said the lady, I never thought of that. You mean, you mean that perhaps he thinks that a silence 
is a hole that you might fall into if you don't fill it up with a noise? Why, the poor little fellow! How in the world is one ever to tell? Oh, dear! Oh, dear! She sank back in her chair and floated her hands in her lap. Her eyes looked as though she was going to cry again, but she didn't cry. That is, not much. Mostly she just sighed. It isn't as though he was an easy child to understand, she sighed. He catches cold so easily and mumps and everything. And he's so irritable. He kicks, he bites, he scratches. So I have seen demonstrated, said our Uncle Peter. Oh, it's quite evident, cried the lady, that you think I'm harsh with him. But whatever in the world would you do? She threw out her hands toward the pretty room, the rugs, the pictures, the fire, the toys. Perhaps you can tell me what he needs, she said. A good spanking, said our Uncle Peter. The lady gave a little gasp. Oh, not for punishment, said our Uncle Peter, but just for exercise. It's the only exercise that a lot of pampered, sedentary children ever get. Pampered, gasped the lady. Sedentary? As though her head was bursting with the noises all around the room, she clapped her hands over her ears. Our Uncle Peter jumped up from his chair and began to chase the little tin railroad train. It looked funny to see so large a man running after so small a train. When he caught it, it was having a railroad accident in the tunnel, under the table where a book had fallen on the track. Like a beetle with no paint on its stomach, he left it lying on its back, with its little wheels kicking in the air. If only all the racket was as easily disposed of, said the lady. It is, said our Uncle Peter, like turning off faucets of water, he turned off the noises one by one. The window breeze that made the glass dangles tinkle, the funny jiggly spring that kept the toy bird screaming high, high in its wicker cake, the music box that tooted horns and beat drums right in the middle of its best tunes. He looked like a giant stalking through the Noah's Ark animals. His foot was longer than the village store. If only I figured as largely in a less miniature world, he said. He looked at the lady very hard when he said it, as though he was saying something very important. The lady didn't seem to consider it important at all. She looked at her skirts instead and smoothed them very tidily. It's a, it's a pleasant day, isn't it? said our Uncle Peter. Very, said the lady. Quite suddenly she looked up at him. Her cheeks were pink. She seemed to want to speak, but didn't know quite how. She looked more surprised than ever. She bent forward very suddenly and stared and stared at him. Why, why, you're the gentleman, she said, who was in the fruit store the day I bought the alligator pears and dropped my pocketbook down behind the trash barrel. Also the day you bought the red Macintosh apples, said our Uncle Peter. The grocer cheated you outrageously on them. Also the day you wore the bunch of white violets and pricked your finger so brutally. Also the day on the ferry when there was a slight collision with a tugboat and I had the privilege of, of... The lady looked very haughty. It was the day of the alligator pears that I referred to, she said, the only day in my recollection. Very positively, she said it, the only day in my recollection. But all the time that she said it, her cheeks got pinker and pinker, 
It was when she looked in the glass and saw how mistaken her positiveness looked that her cheeks got so pink. Tap, 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 her foot stamped on the rug. Did, did you know who it was going to be when you brought the dog, she said. That is, did you know when you first saw the advertisement in the paper? Her white forehead got all black and frowny. How in the world did you know my name, she said. Our Uncle Peter made an expression on his face. It was the expression that our mother calls his third helping of apple pie expression, bold and unashamed. End of section 11. The Little Dog Who Couldn't Sleep. Part 1.